This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Audition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas and experience, and just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Nicola Askham, who is the data governance coach. So Nicola, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for asking me. I'm thrilled no. to be here. Good, good. Now, the pleasure is all ours. Um, so where we always start, Nicola, is by asking our guests to give themselves, a, I guess, a brief introduction into their background and, and journey to date and how they got to, to this point in time, if you'd be so kind. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I've I've been um, I, I kind of describe myself obviously as the data governance coach, and I've been helping people understand and manage their data now for nearly um, two decades, which is scary. <laughs> um, and you know, people tend to come to me these days when their data is a mess and they need help untangling it, or you know, they they realise they're they're wasting so much cash on new initiatives, and and yet that you know it's going wrong because of poor quality data. You know, and I've kind of now got known for helping all sorts of numerous corporates over the years. Um, and I, I kind of got into this entirely by accident, I'll be honest. I was a project manager for a bank and I was a project manager for a data warehouse. And, you know, as, as part of, of doing all that, we did a really successful project. We delivered the data warehouse on time to budget all these plaudits and it was great. I was my, I was a new project manager as well. So, you know, I'm feeling really pleased with myself. Um, and then some of the users weren't overly happy because the data and it wasn't all that good. And it was the same old scenario. That I'm sure other loads of people, everybody tells you the same thing is that a shiny new system can't fix the rubbish old data, particularly when you just migrate it from the old system to the new. And I think I had this real light bulb moment then that, you know, it didn't really matter if we did this wonderful new data warehouse, it wasn't going to be any different if the data wasn't um, changed. And I had this real problem that nobody wanted to stand up and worry about the data. And my boss was telling me, you're just a project manager, get over it. <laughs> it's kind of thing. It's not your data warehouse. But it yeah. did bug me. And I was a, I was a project manager for... Um, a data management team. I was associated with a data management team. So I just went on and I did master data management programs, more data warehouse programs as we migrated other bits to the warehouse. And it still niggled. Um, but every, I think my my boss just used to roll her eyes at me and just get on with project <laughs> managing kind of thing. And I um, I actually got to work one day and as all big organizations do, they had a restructure. And my boss went, there's a restructure. You can't be a project manager anymore. And I went, oh, but I thought I'd found my thing. After following the career path the bank said I had to, I'd, I'd got into project management, loved the sense of order and sorting things and planning. It all, oh, it was ticked so many boxes for me. Uh, literally being a project manager. <laughs> but, um, you know, I and she just went, you can't be a project manager anymore. All project managers being moved into this central resource. And um, we don't want to lose you. Uh, we've escalated it all the way to HR. 
Um, and um, so you, you can't be a project manager, you've got to stay. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And she said, I have absolutely no idea, but heaven's sake, make yourself look busy. Otherwise, me and my boss are going to get into trouble <laughs> for insisting that you stay on the team. And I'm going, well, I have absolutely no idea. And the bigger part of the data management team in those days was the business intelligence team full of very clever um, people. And I had done my SQL coding course as part of being on that team. And, um, you know, I, I passed the course, but when I came to do it in real life, the DBAs rang me up and were not overly polite because I'd managed to <laughs> join on the data warehouse. So, you know, it was quite clear that my career path did not lay in that part of the team and that what I really needed to do was to find something else to do. And, you know, so I gave it some thought and I just suddenly thought, you know, what really bothered me was that there was poor quality data there and nobody had cared about it. And this was like a few years um, later. So I said to my boss, can I can I sort it? And I think she just kind of went, oh, really? But she's got nothing better for me to do. And she just said to me, just just don't upset anybody senior. Um, and, and to be fair, I probably did. I did get thrown out of a few senior people's offices. Mm-hmm. And I just started talking to anybody that I could persuade to talk to me about roles and responsibilities around data and who should do, you know, who should be caring and worrying. And, you know, and I think that's probably the foundation of all what I do these days is all the mistakes I made in the early days of kind of just talking about it in the wrong way and, and upsetting my senior stakeholders. Um, and that's everything I teach now. It's like, don't yeah. do what I did in the early days. But yeah. I, I had some really valuable lessons and that worked really, really well. And then you know, roll on a few more years and the bank had yet another restructure. And my current boss at that time said to me, you can't do data governance anymore because the bank's not doing it anymore. It was flavor of the month. We did it for that thing we had to do it for. We're not going to do it anymore like you're trying to do. Oh. So we want you to be a business architect. And I went, well, I don't want to be a business architect. I really, really have found my thing now. I understand that there's this valuable data and people are not managing it as, as, a, as an asset. And, and I need to help people do that. And, and so after um, a very long time with the bank, I got brave enough to leave. And I actually worked for two small um, consultancies, specialist data consultancies as their data governance expert before I got brave enough to set up on my own. Nice, nice. What a fascinating and, and very interesting in story. So I guess tell us then the data governance coach as the business, which obviously is you, is your brand, right, which mm-hmm. is is fantastic. Give us a little bit of information about kind of, you know, obviously the type of work projects, you know, st- just a, a bit more steer on, on the business in itself. Yeah, well, I think it's fair to say when I first set up, I was very much acting as probably the kind of roles you recruit for an interim data governance manager. I would go and do it for a year, two years for people as a contractor. And I loved it. Um, but I also learned that whilst I was a consultant, it's the wrong thing to do because you're building all these networks, you're building the relationships, you're getting the knowledge across a whole organization and you're going to walk out the door with all that knowledge and then probably hand it over to somebody who's just new into the job and it will all, all your hard work is going to start falling apart most straight away. So as soon as I really was on my own, I, I kind of felt very strongly that it should be about helping people to do data governance themselves. So like a done with you model, not a done for you model. Yep. Um, and definitely not do it yourself. Um, it, there's been an explosion in the demand for data governance the last few years, but there's still more demand than there is supply for people that have got the experience. So I feel very strongly it's uh, help people, give them the skills and the knowledge they need. So um, over the years, I've very much morphed from doing data governance for people um, and thinking I was doing it right by cutting it down and being like a part-time interim data governance manager. So they had to stand on their own two feet a couple of days a week or whatever. 
um, to to really focusing now on training and I coach my clients as well. So I give them the skills they need to do it themselves. I do still consult um, and it's it's always to help with very particular things, whether it's a review of a current framework or to help make the business case for data governance to do that first design of a data governance framework. But it's always very focused and with the people that are going to be responsible going on because I, I really feel it's the, the right thing to do. Yeah. Now, that's that's fascinating that organizations are obviously using your service to train internal teams. That's a really good site, right? It's good. It's good to it's good to see and, and hear after, you know, let's be honest, the, the governance space has been left to its own devices um, for, for for a long time. Right. So, um, yeah, makes makes perfect sense. When, when you go in there out of interest, who are you typically coaching? Is it kind of data kind of governance practitioners or is it kind of entire business units of your people is it business units and executives or is it kind of data governance teams as it were yeah and that's a good question it really does differ between clients I I'll be honest and I I think this is the one thing I've learned you know I'm always telling people that you can't do data governance the same way but I also think what each organization needs in the way of support is not the same as well because I thought I would say yeah. to people, here's my standard training course how to do data governance this is all you need but it's not all you need it depends on the organization so quite often it is the data governance practitioners, the people that are tasked with with designing and implementing it in an organisation, but um, but sometimes it's you know they they actually did know what data governance was, but they're struggling to get that message across. So I go in and train their data owners or their data stewards. I've done quite a lot of training of executive committees or. Um, or even board training, which I find absolutely fascinating because then you've really got to think big picture and you've got to make it really simple. They don't care about the details, but you've got to really get them hooked. So, yeah, and I think this is the whole, um, perhaps the challenge with data governance is there is no one story to tell about it and, and you have to make sure you're describing the right thing to the right audience all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really interesting point. So obviously you touched upon it a second ago, but the whole data governance world has kind of, you know, seen a, a real resurgence, if we want to call it that, right, over the last 12 to 18 months in particular. And there's been some, you know, very notable high-profile organizations, you know, trying to recruit some very high-profile roles within those organizations, which, again, is is great to see. You being on the inside of some of those organizations, why do you think that is? Is this kind of, you know, okay, the, the light bulb has, has kind of clicked and now they're understanding the importance or is it is it something else? Um, yeah, I, I, I do think it is mainly that. I think I, it'd be fair to say, I mean, mainly because I came from a banking background. I spent the first, you know, many years of doing data governance really only working in financial services. Um, as you know, all sectors like you to have experience of their sector, even though they kind of forget that you've got to get it first time somehow kind of thing. Um, and But the financial services um, are generally considered to be more mature in this country in data governance and other sectors because their regulators ask them to do it. And I was lucky that I only really got to work with organizations who wanted to do more than the regulator wanted. Um, because and that's what I wanted to do as well. And they they've done really well with doing data governance. But you know, I've talked to so many people who are working in other organizations whose approach was let's do the tick box. <laughs> What's the bare minimum we can do to keep the regulator off our back? Yeah. And that is such a huge waste of effort because you you do it as like a project mentality. It's probably much harder to maintain. And as the regulator changes their mind, because we know they will do a new regulation will come in, they'll they'll actually say, oh, now we've been doing it for a while. It's clear that we like what what company A's been doing over here and, and you're not what you're doing company B. Yeah. And, you can't. <laughs> yeah. and you've got to have another project to start it all again. And so I think that, um, you know, 
the, the financial services that have done best have been the ones that had thought bigger picture and let's see the benefits instead of what, what's the minimum we need to do. But I, what I really think I've seen the last, I'd say, three, four years was a, a very a focus on organisations realising that there were huge benefits to be had from doing it. And I love working with organisations like that because then they haven't got that blinker focus on we just need to do this. This is the, the world's our oyster. What can we do? What can we start with? And even more so, I would say that the pandemic has actually increased demand in data governance. I found that, you know, probably the beginning of last year, the early start of the pandemic, a lot of data governance programs are put on hold because companies thought, oh, well, that's not hugely important. And we need like a team of people to do, you know, emergency COVID projects. And so a number of my clients put work on hold and everything. But then these organizations suddenly realized that they needed really good quality data to make decisions that might ensure their survival in very challenging times. And they all then wanted um, data governance yesterday. <laughs> we know it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and um, so it feels like loads of data governance initiatives started up last year or this year. Organizations that have no regulator that's asking them to do it are suddenly saying, we need to do this. And, and I I think it's brilliant, personally. Yeah. You know, sad that it took a global pandemic to cause that. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I mean, it, it's fascinating. I completely agree with what you're saying because you know, from from my side of the fence, you know, the demand has has always been more heavily weighted towards you know the the quotation mark sexy stuff, right? Every business is talking about data science and ML and AI and all of this type of stuff. And the reality of that situation is that I think a lot of organisations have gone on that journey, spent tons of money trying to do these types of projects you know the whole thing around culture and transformation and you know that bit playing a part into why there's not as much value but i think data governance has certainly played its part in that as well right because they kind of get to the end of that project and go hmm that's interesting that's not what we thought we were going to get from that and they you know kind of trace their tails back and it's ah okay poor quality data the whole garbage in garbage out and um i think as you mentioned you know often governance previously has been kind of seen as this you know regulatory type of thing that we have to do um, and now the focus is starting to shift actually if we get this bit right you know what what comes out the other end is much better for us so it makes perfect sense i mean we do a load of stuff around around the event space and um we had someone really senior from a, a big global brand i won't tell you who they are because that'd be unfair but um, you know a, a drinks brand that everyone will know obviously not a regulated environment right and he's kind of saying we don't have a governance function, which is crazy because we're a massive global multi-million, if not billion pound business. And for him, as an analytics person, it was kind of like, this is infuriating to me because we don't know all of the work we're doing. It's probably possibly done on poor data, but you know, there's no regulation for that business. So they kind of see it as, ah, that's not important. You know, let's just do the fancy stuff. So it's it's so fascinating. But what what do you see as the biggest challenges then from a data governance perspective in terms of you know what organizations are doing with it or trying to do with it right now um ooh, biggest challenges i think that the, <laughs> the, probably the, the biggest is the people side of things because i think people think that you can just say we're doing data governance and it will magically happen like a project or something and they forget <laughs> that really it's a cultural thing I'm, I'm i'm always saying particularly in the early phases data governance is more about the people than the data we've got to get the people's heads in the right space first so it's all about the data literacy changing that culture getting people to see data as an asset first because until they do that why would they 
want to do data governance? Because if you think about it from their point of view, they, they're probably very busy, but reasonably happy with how things are in their job. They don't think about the data at all, or if they do, it's just a necessary inconvenience that happens from time to time. But, you know, that's just kind of life kind of thing. And now suddenly your data governance person pops up and tells you that you're going to have to do all this extra work and you're going to have to document the data, you're going to have to come up with definitions. And they're thinking, well, this is like hard work. So we've got to get them to understand first that, that data is an asset and give them some, you know, what's in it for them. And that's then when you can move on. And I think that's the problem. A lot of, I've seen companies, you know, get off to a bad start. I wouldn't say fail, that sounds really awful, but they've got off to a bad start with a data governance initiative. And when I've gone in to help them or review something, what they've got isn't a bad framework. It's probably the right framework for their organization, but it's been done in isolation and they haven't addressed this culture side of things so when they kind of go here's my wonderful new framework everybody goes whoa back off we don't want that <laughs> go away kind of thing yeah. um you know they, they they think that it's just about the what data governance is but it's all about you know the people we have to bring them with us yeah yeah that's uh that's interesting and obviously kind of you know very much expected you to say that right because that's what's um definitely cited as the reason why these projects aren't as valuable as they should be right because you know the people aren't buying into it the adoption then doesn't occur and you know so on and, and so forth and all around uh, all around that what do you make about the whole kind of terminology of data governance right i've had people on this podcast before so scott taylor for example who I'm, I'm sure you'll know right he's you know banging on about data storytelling for data governance for for years now but you know his, his view is very much the term governance and the language we use around the topics we speak about within that conversation aren't kind of conducive to exciting people <laughs> about that part of, of, of the data, right? So um, what, what's your take on that? And, and how, how, how are you, I guess, kind of going in there helping businesses on that journey to, I guess, you know, change or reframe the language to help the cultural aspect that you talked about? Yeah, and I think it's a really good point. And I love, I love Scott and I love his book. So if anybody's listened to this and hasn't bought it, definitely go and get it. It's great. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is um, it, it's all about not talking about the we need better quality data because most people's answer will be, so what? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know I, I can't tell you how many times it was too naive and still making the same mistakes when people go, well, our company's been here for 50 years and we've never had data governors. Why do we need it now? So, you know, you're going to get that so what response. So people, if you say we need data, good data quality or we need data governance, you know so what so um you know i'm always trying to it's it's hard work but you have to find out what are the benefits for everybody you're talking to and and that is is how i i manage it and i think there's a lot of what comes out in scott's book is you know people are not going to do it just for best practice um or because nicola says so or kyle says so they're yeah. gonna they're gonna do it because there's a reason to do it and I would say the vast majority of times it's a benefit. It's a cost saving. It's increased profits. Um, you know, sometimes it's the stick approach. It's the, you know, the meet regulatory requirements or or perhaps, you know, even reputation, you know, pr protect their reputation. Um, so I think it's talk, it, It's thinking about those things and talking to people. And um, I was I was doing a coaching call yesterday and I was having a chat with um see my client and she's having a bit of trouble getting people to get their heads around data governance. So um, I've set her off to find what, what I like to call you data quality horror stories. So I would always prefer the carrot approach. I'd always rather sell the benefits, but 
in, instead of arguing with people saying you should do this, go and find out what's gone wrong in your organization because of poor quality data and present that back um, mm. because that will get people's eyes open and going, oh, I didn't realize that was because of poor quality data. I thought that was just the system went wrong or something. Yeah, yeah the system went wrong because the data broke it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we we can, um, you know, find it's, it's making it real, I suppose, because yeah. if we talk about it in, as an abstract or as a concept, people go, we never had this thing before. You know, I, I literally was working with a company in the summer. It's 250 years old. And that was actually a, we've not had data governance for 250 years. Why do we do it now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It's, um, I mean, it's, re- it's really interesting. How, how granular do you go with that, right? Because I guess, just thinking out loud here, but obviously, you know, if you've got, I don't know, a team, a finance team, right, sat, sat in accounts and, all of a sudden it's like, right, we need you to do this and we want you to input these fields now. And that's not so, you know, the, the, the let's say the format of the system has changed, whatever the case may be. You know, f- as you said, from their perspective, that's like, oh, it's just more work for me. And even then, if you're saying to them, well, look, if you do this, this will help us make more money. I'm still, as you know, of course, you know, good employees will, I'm sure, try and get on that train, right? But for some people, undoubtedly, they'll be going, like, well, great but i'm just here to do my job and go home right so how how granular do you need to get with that kind of message in terms of relating it back to to them and, and their world it can be really granular and that's why um you know i always say to people you can't you know I'm, i always say you can do one broadcast message to your whole organization at the beginning of a data governance initiative hopefully from somebody really senior who says we're now valuing data as an asset listen to everything that nicholas says <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but apart from that i don't think you can do this and i think that's that's probably what makes data governance the hardest is because you do need to go very granular and you need to go and work out actually for this particular finance team their pain is this but if i go and look at you know perhaps the tax team next to them they've got a different pain and i can't talk about the same one to each of them and you know and i I also definitely in the early days i used to you know two three years in I'm thinking oh I'm so experienced at this <laughs> um and I, yeah, I can I can wing this I can just go in and meet Carl and I can say well what is it you do Carl and then I can start saying oh well you probably find it really hard to recruit great people because you haven't got their name spelt correctly and you've got duplicates or something and you and, you know I might get it right and you go phew that worked well and then I'll be going yeah see I'm getting good at this data governance thing but actually you might go no we don't have that problem at all we've got a new CRM system that we had last year and don't actually trust you you clearly don't know what you're talking about you don't understand me you're not listening to me mm. and I, I made that mistake in the first couple of years I think um I think I know <laughs> and I realized that you can't beat that preparation and you can't just go and wing it because if you put somebody's back up once if I upset you and you go I am not listening to this woman about data governance why would you listen to me when I come and talk to you again next week or the week after so you only have really one good chance so yeah you do have to go really granular and you do have to do that preparation yeah. yeah, it's re- it's really fascinating because I think um, you know just thinking about my career, um, I'm probably not one of the most admin friendly um, employees or have been employees, you know. And and uh, I've worked for companies before where they, you know, they they kind of red asterisk things that have to be inputted, like it won't let you bypass to the next page without that data. And literally, you know, people will go around doing the bare minimum, and over time, you realise ah, actually. If I'd spent an extra 30 seconds inputting a few more things on that tab that wasn't red asterisks, that would have made my life 
so much easier the next week the next month the next year whatever the case may be right so it's it's fascinating because it's just obviously the way we're we're wired as humans it's like right we're just trying to get through this task what's the minimum i can get away with and on to the next thing and it's trying to create that bigger picture perception of why it's it's so important is does that kind of come on a from a coaching perspective then is that kind of done in groups is it kind of because obviously i imagine trying to get to a granular message needs to almost be done in individual levels i'd say or or is it you know how, how do you approach that kind of so cultural shift it can it can be really challenging as you say because you know if you know i've i've worked from organizations like a small charity that had 80 staff all the way through to you know global organizations that have hundreds of thousands of stuff we can't go and sit and talk to them all individually you know and even at the charity that wouldn't have probably been the best use of my time so what you have to do and I think this is where you use the data governance roles and responsibilities is you identify your data owners and your data stewards and you bring them with you and then you get yourself once because you, you start to understand from them they can then give you some of this information they suddenly they'll have that light bulb moment and they'll understand it and you go oh so this process that happens like this and it gets broken all the time that's probably because of data and you go yes it is and then you can you're almost like you've brought them with you and they can then help their team so you know and and that's when you know I then kind of say can can we come and come to your team meeting and talk about data quality issues And, and you know your example is so true and I've seen across every sector quite often it's the most junior people and I'm as guilty as you on that one you know what do I need to do to get past this (laughs) and I still do it on my accountancy software I know (laughs) I know how important data quality is but you know for for me a small company I really do not need to put a detailed description of my expense Uh, it's it's in a clear category and that's all I need for my analysis and my (laughs) returns and things so I put a full stop (laughs) so I'm as bad as everybody else but I understand that you know I've done that knowing what that data is used for and knowing that that won't actually impact me. Hmm. But the junior people, nobody's ever told them that. They've probably been even taught to do that. I can't tell you it happened to me with the benefit of hindsight. Just fill seven nines in this field. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's not going to end in tears, is it? Um, You know, and we do it and and we we do it because nobody's told us any differently. And and I think you say it, it... just because some random data governance manager turns up at your desk and or your team meeting and says you must put this in correctly isn't going to win people over so you need to win their managers their line managers over so that they're starting to understand it and and also you know and that's where i like data quality reporting because if the reports go back to them to correct it they're going to get fed up of correcting it on for a while <laughs> they'll get it right the first time and they'll see that there's a lot of benefit in doing that so yeah. it, it does come full circle eventually, but if you can address the cultural side, it's it goes a lot more smoothly and a lot quicker. Mm. How, uh, from a in, in terms of the work that you do, are you typically training and coaching the kind of data practitioners to help enforce this kind of cultural shift and become that change agent, or do you find that you know those data governance teams typically are in there to do the do and you end up doing the bulk of that kind of culture moving the needle type of prodding that that sometimes happens and also I I think when that happens it's because um people have you know data governance they really sound boring words together don't they it must be technical (laughs) so they'll they'll put somebody really quite technical in the role that doesn't mean they're stupid it just means they're probably not a people person 
And I really think you do need your data governance initiative headed up by somebody who's got good people management skills, stakeholder engagement, and you know, comms, influencing, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, you know, my ideal is when I'm coaching clients to go and do it themselves. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I do have to to help out a bit. But then sometimes I've worked with some amazing clients where people who have come from a techie background into the role and really have not felt comfortable but we've started off like doing perhaps a series of data owner briefings and I do all the talking at the first two or three and then they start talking a little bit more and then you know you give it a few weeks later you suddenly realize that they're getting the confidence to start having these conversations and I'm there just if the data owner asks a difficult question yeah yeah no that's uh yeah i mean i'm i'm smirking because uh, i can uh, it, it's applicable across every role in my opinion across the data landscape right you know and um if you've seen any of my linkedin stuff nicola um which you probably have because i bang on about this stuff all the time but you know that whole you know the so-called soft skills again in quotation marks you know first of all there's nothing soft about them because it's the hardest part of the job right you know but it's it's interesting because every organization still seems absolutely obsessed and fascinated by have they got these list of technical requirements like and i have this conversation literally on a daily basis it doesn't matter what you're recruiting for whether it's a data governance person whether it's a a data science person if it's just purely you know have they got these you know this tech or this exposure to this regulation or framework or whatever the case may be that's fine they can do the technical part of the job but that's not the bit that lets us down, right? So, so then you've got a team full of people who are absolutely superb at the, the part of delivery, but then kind of nothing changes. So it's a big waste of time and a big, big waste of, of money. And I think the bridging the gap between governance and analytics, you know, and that whole defense versus offense. And I'll use Scott again as an example, right? He constantly harped on on the podcast about there needs to be more collaboration between the two. Is that something that you you see happening or is it still quite siloed? Um, it, it's probably, it, it is starting to happen. I, I would say when I first started, it really was a them and us. Um, and, you know, it was really difficult because I, I'm a very firm believer that data government should be run from the business. Um, and I've even, you know, I've got it on the report on my website. It's a mistake to run it from IT. But it doesn't mean you can't do it from IT. It's just going to be really, really hard. And, and I've helped clients do it from IT because they're the, they're the people with the budget. They want to push it. So, you know, and it's worked well, but you have to work really hard at engaging the business. Um, but what I find is that I think there's a newer breed of CIO. Um, I've done some work over a few months this year with, uh, with one organization and their CIO has been really refreshing. She didn't want to let data governance go to the business because she got it and she really wanted to push it. But she she really does believe the I is information, not yeah. IT kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and she was really quite refreshing. So I, I think that's still in its early phases would be my, my view on it. But it is, there's definitely been a shift. Mm, that's good to hear. I guess from a regulatory versus non-regulatory background is the differences in in there because obviously i know if you're a massive bank for example you know the, the part of governance that's important is mitigating risk right but as we've talked about earlier there's a lot of benefits in there how, how do those more regulated organizations strike that balance because that must be that must be difficult you know if you're a highly regulated business obviously for your first thought is yeah mitigate risk but equal then you're like oh well actually <laughs> there's a lot of benefits to be had over here so we kind of want to get that balance yeah. right how, how do you how do you kind of navigate those waters 
So I, uh, my preference and what I always recommend to my <laughs> clients is that they have one data governance approach and, and they might in their policy say for, I don't know, for, for BCS 239 or for Solvency 2, if you're an insurer, say, um, if the data is used in these calculations, you additionally need to do because that's, you know, I'd rather do that. And that feels to me a lot less friction for the business. They don't have to think of, you know, is it a different rule? Is it a different framework? Because I have, I've kind of worked with a few where when I first got there, they had two policies this for our regulated data and this for everything else. And, and it was really confusing because they weren't always exactly aligned. And somebody was saying, well, if I'm a data owner for this data over here, does that mean I can't be data for non-regulated data? And, and you're going, no, you're just a data owner. And some of your data happens to be regulated and some doesn't kind of thing. And yeah. so I, you know, I think that, you know, doing it as one approach that just has some allowances for anything additional you need to do for your regulated data, it's just by far the simplest. And that's, probably my mantra for all things data governance is keep it simple you can always add detail when you need to but you 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 don't if you make it too complicated the business is never going to do it because they won't get their head around it whereas if there's an there's there's options or you're making it overly complicated they'll just go i don't think i can get my head around that so i'll put it in the too difficult to think about now pile and i get back to it of course (laughs) we know they'll never get back to it yeah yeah well where do you see the 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 majority of governance kind of capabilities sit within an organization because i guess we have this conversation quite a lot right on the analytics side of of the fence in terms of where it should be sat and obviously there's actually very few organizations that have centralized kind of data you know seat at the board type of of capabilities and and then you know that breeds a whole (laughs) whole host of conversation and debate right but it is does that do you find that that tends to to differ like does governance in let's say in a a non-centralized data business um that's that's fragmented you know does analytics sit with it and governance sit with finance or does that really does that really vary like most it really really varies and i can even say that you know I, I had it myself when I was doing data governance in the bank. I mean, that's going back a few years now. But I've also had it when, um, you know, I've had clients who we, we start in one area and then, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm doing some ad hoc consulting and I don't, I go back six months later and the team's reporting in somewhere else again. You go, but that happened to me. It's almost everybody goes, oh, it doesn't feel quite right here. So let's try it for a bit. And then, oh, no, actually, let, let's go and try this reporting line. So I think if you haven't got a centralised reporting line I think it it seems to be harder to find a, a really good home and as I said you know I wouldn't choose IT but I've, I've got a number of, of clients over the years who have successfully done it from IT um, I've seen risk work well particularly in financial services who are you know quite strong and mature in, in yep. managing risk so that seems to be a good place and if you don't have a, um, a central place like that, it, it, it's somewhere that does central services to the whole organization. Because you, if you do it, I have seen people try to do it in finance, but finance have got a vested interest. And you find that all the focus is put on in making the finance data correct. And yeah. we'll get around to everybody else later kind of thing. Yeah. So I find that, you know, trying to find some central corporate services or risk, something which is people understand is something that provides services to other parts of the business seems to work the best. But yeah, I don't think unless you have, as you say, a central data organization with a clear CDO that's taken seriously, there, there doesn't ever seem to be this perfect home that you can say yep that's absolutely where the data governance team should sit yeah yeah i think that's the same across the whole spectrum right because i have this conversation on 
seeming you know seems like daily basis but um you know i think there's still this misconception in a lot of organizations especially you know that are less uh you know m- less mature from a data standpoint you know especially if they're on the start of this journey they still very much see data and analytics as as like a it's a technology play right so therefore it sits in tech and and i, I get it right because you know, all our data is stored in systems, right? And we build technology to allow the data to move. So I understand why that happens, but but yeah, I think it makes things very difficult. And I've been quite vocal in the fact that I've said, you know, if you have it sat under a different function, surely there's a blinkered kind of approach to to that part of the, the data lifecycle, whether it's governance, whether it's data science, whether it's analytics, it's, it's typically going to do more work in that part of the business, right? Which is kind of counterintuitive, to the whole enterprise benefit of, of data, right? So Yeah, absolutely. And I can understand why it happens. That's kind of, you know, why would you be based in finance and help everybody else first and leave the finance data? You know, yeah. so I, I do get it. But yeah, I think you're right. That's why it doesn't really work if, mm. if you are in a function that should be a, a user of, of data. Yeah. Okay, cool. So conscious of time as we start to wrap this up then, if, if there's organizations out there and people within those organizations listening to this, whether they're thinking about you know starting a data governance initiative or maybe they're in the midst of one now that's going awfully wrong, <laughs> which there will be plenty of those, I assure you. Um, g- give us your kind of top three tips in terms of what these businesses should be focusing on right now to try and get this get this right. So I think um, one thing is to, to, whatever you're doing, take a step back and work out why you're doing it. Because I think quite often people just dive into it because it seems a good idea. Um, And work out what the real drivers are for your organization, because then you'll be able to talk about it correctly. And you'll also be able to design something that meets those requirements rather than you you can go down a wormhole in in Google and there's so much stuff about data governance now. You could just get into this analysis paralysis and you just don't do anything. So, you know, be really clear on why your organization needs data governance and it's not best practice. It's, you know, what is it? That you, why Why does your organization need it? So I would say do that. Um, and um, I would go and look for your horror stories again, because actually if you can understand your horror stories, that again gives you some clues about where you need data governance and how you need data governance. And, and definitely, you know, I don't think you can do too much communications. And, and just remember that when you're doing this, this is not about telling people to do data governance, it's bringing them with you. This is all about influencing them and, and doing that culture change. Are the, the real, real biggies. Yeah, yeah. Three fantastic points. I've kind of got questions on each, if I can remember. I was trying to remember the questions as you were speaking. So the whole why a, you know the business wants to do this, a topic we speak about across the data landscape, right, in, in its entirety. And I've, again, also been very vocal on the fact that I've kind of said, you know, many businesses jump into this because it seemed to be cool, right? You know, if you rewind five years, all of a sudden there was, you know, hundreds of businesses that just popped up these data science teams and everyone's like, hang on, (laughs) where have you come from and and why why are you here, right? And it was because it was like, it was trending. It was, you know, I guess a bit of peer pressure in the industry that we felt like we should be doing this or we're going to be seen to be behind the curve. Do you feel that still that happens on the governance perspective or is starting to happen? Because as we've talked about earlier, right, governance historically has been more of, oh, that's a compliance tick box exercise. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of been different. But I guess now we understand the benefits. Do you see businesses just diving feet first into governance because they kind of want to boil the ocean for want of a better phrase? 
So, yeah, I do see that more, I think, whereas before it was, oh, we've got to, to meet a regulation. Or the other thing is I think that, you know, a lot of the software vendors are realizing that, particularly, say, master data management, if you put in place a master data management solution without good data governance in place, it, you might, by some miracle, manage to deliver something that's successful on day one, but it's going to deteriorate from day two. So... I think the MDM vendors are really pushing that message out there that you need data governance as well. So I think you're finding, and even the ERP vendors I'm, I'm finding as well. I was talking to a prospect yesterday who's um, putting in place um, SAP for the first time. They're being told they really ought to do data governance because it's going to you know, master a lot of very important data for them. Um, so I think they're they're kind of delivering this message and people go, oh, right, oh, we need to do it as part of this project, but they kind of sign up to it without really understanding what it is or why they need to do it. It's almost like a tick box. As long as we have a data governance manager and we're doing MDM, we'll be fine mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. So, Has there been, in your opinion, kind of a resurgence in the technology space around data governance? Because from the outside looking in it, it certainly appears to be like that. Obviously, no, that's always kind of been a thing in the analytics world, right? There's a new... There's a new dashboard tool, there's a new visualization tool, there's a new model tool, whatever the case may be. But on the governance side, that seems to have lacked. But recently, I hear a lot of conversations around oh, this, you know, this new AI tool specifically designed for data governance. And I'm like, well, that's, that sounds pretty cool. But it's interesting just to see it starting to happen in that space, right? There's, yeah, there, there's, I, I couldn't even tell you all the different vendors in the data governance space now. And, you know, I think back to, it wasn't that many years ago when there was like two. <laughs> or even before yeah. that, when there was nothing other than an Excel spreadsheet yeah. or anything. But, you know, and I think, you know, there are some very clever tools out there and they can they can help an organization. They can really facilitate data governance. But I think um, what happens is, is, to be fair, the same as I remember back, back when I was a project manager, you, you perhaps select the technology because it, it's all singing or dancing and it might be a sledgehammer to crack a nut. Um, and, and sometimes that's not what you need. And, and also I find that you know, I think they are, they're trying to integrate with everything and do everything for you, which is fabulous. And in the long run, it will help you. But I think organizations need to get their head around data governance first, and then they'll be able to choose the right tool that meets their needs now. But yeah, there are, there are so, so many tools. I can't keep up with them anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's the same, isn't it? Across the landscape in that the kind of tool or tech is is almost irrelevant until we fix the kind of cultural piece behind all of this to take people on the journey so yeah it's uh very interesting okay cool so as we wrap up then nicola tell us what's what's coming up for you and, and your business um so i'm winding down at the moment but uh, <laughs> next year yeah very exciting next year i've already got plans for public training course in february um and i ran a one-day mastermind for the first time this year um, and it was such a great success that I'm running another one next March. And that's whereas the training's aimed at those that are, you know, just starting out and they need all the, the foundational information. The mastermind's more for people who know what data governance is, but they're just having challenges with their business and their stakeholders. And you come along for one day and you will share your problems. Everybody gets time in the hot seat. And that was absolutely fabulous uh, this year, the one I ran. So we've got another one of them planned for March. And then then rather excitingly, as you say, demand for data governance is um, rising. So I'm actually going to um, start looking for some more associates to join my pool of associates next year. So um, yeah, I'm very, very excited about that. How do people get hold of you if they are interested in maybe working with you on an associate basis? 
Um, I would um, probably just go to my website, which is uh, originally titled nicolarascom.com, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just send me a message through that. Or, or I'm on LinkedIn or, or Twitter. Yeah. So, yeah, happy to be contacted uh, whatever way suits people. Fine. I know before we let you go, you run a, a governance meetup, right? How can, yeah. how can people find out more about that? Uh, yes, I, I run that with um, a couple of other friends, uh, data governance friends, <laughs> who never who ever knew that would be a thing. Yeah. Um, and um, it's a lovely little, little um, uh, not so little, we've gone over 500 members now, I think. Wow. Uh, so if you go onto the Meetup uh, website, um, it's actually called Data Governance Know How London. Uh, we set it up at the beginning of the very first lockdown last year, and it is still our intention that at, from time to time we will hold face-to-face events in London, but um, very quickly because people realized that everything was virtual, they're joining. We've had people from Brazil, Mexico, US, all across wow. Europe join the calls. So um, yeah, so yeah, I'd love to see more people there. It's a really lovely, all-inclusive group where other data governance practitioners are supporting each other and we create artifacts together. Uh, really lovely. So yeah, definitely pop along to meet up and look for data governance know-how and you'll find us and come along and join us. Um, well, look, Nicola, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on a, a fascinating conversation. But uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing uh, how things go for you in 2022. Thank you. And thank you for, for having me. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week. Bow, 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 bow,